The reading from John 14, as I said, is a familiar one to many. It's a very appropriate one for these days and these times when things are complicated and when uh, we have a lot of worries and concerns before us. It starts off by telling us, do not let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, but also in me. It's good to think about this reading in the whole narrative of Easter. This was taken from John 14. This is Jesus trying to teach his disciples before the events of the cross what was yet to come. He was desperately, desperately trying to explain to them who he was, who he was like. And he spends quite a lot of this passage trying to demonstrate to them that when they see him, they see the Father. When they see him, they see the Father. And he spends most of this passage having a go, patiently trying to explain it over and over again, being asked questions by those who don't understand, and actually persisting and being really clear about who he was and who he is. Over these few weeks, as we thought about the journey from Easter till today, we have seen that consistent uh, doubt being expressed. We, so we have Peter, or we, sorry, we have Thomas. I won't believe him unless I touch him. We have uh, Peter who goes to Mary. No, that can't be right. We have Mary who goes, where is, my, where, is where is Jesus? And she's the one who believes that he is alive. We see doubt. It's part of the narrative of Easter. And today we're going to think about that for a little bit of time. We're going to think about that. Jesus is trying to answer some doubts. Thomas says to him in verse 5, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus is talking about heaven, and Thomas is looking for a roadmap. I love that about him. I love the fact that he's just grounding it straight away. We see that uh, in Thomas after the resurrection. I want the concrete. I want the down to earth. Will you just tell me what it is? Philip says to him in verse 8 after that, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough. Jesus here is trying to explain that when they have seen him, they have seen the Father. But Philip just wants to see the Father. I just want a picture. Can you just sort that out for me right now? I was thinking about that during the week uh, as I was walking uh, on the mountain. And uh, around me are flowers that have all come uh, from the mountain above our house. They're all, we won't say quite wild flowers because we all know rhododendrons are not wild, but they certainly in this case are growing as weeds. And uh, they're all wild flowers. We can see that they are flowers. Some of us might count them as weeds, but they are flowers. It's good for us sometimes to see Jesus and the Father a little bit like that, because actually they are both God. They are both God. So whether our flowers were the most beautifully ornate flowers that we had spent a lot of money and had been beautifully cultivated in a greenhouse somewhere, or they are wildflowers gathered from the mountain, they are flowers. Jesus and God, are, the Father, are so inseparable as that. So inseparable 
as that. Jesus, the patient teacher, and he is a patient teacher, persists. He persists in this passage. And he persists for us today in explaining who he is. He is like the Father. His power comes from the Father. We know that. And he's trying to explain to those who will come after him that that power doesn't end with him. He's trying to get to a place with Philip and Thomas and the rest of the disciples that he wants to get to with us, where we believe and where we give in, where we submit and where we trust. He says this in verse 12. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do works I have the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. They will do even greater things. In a time when we feel pretty hopeless, for the disciples after Jesus' death, where they felt pretty hopeless, what an encouragement that the power of God remains in us when we believe. What a powerful powerful thing. And then we get the last verse, verse 14. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Now, it seems so complicated in a time of corona where we would just like to go, Lord, please take it away in the name of Jesus. But it's not just as straightforward as that. It's not just as straightforward as that. Because actually what Jesus is trying to explain to his disciples here is that he's not only asking them to trust in the power of God, he's actually asking them to trust in the nature of Jesus, the nature of the man who lived and died, who was kind and just, who espoused righteousness amongst people, a friend of mine uses this term, and I'm not a huge fan, but it really expresses it now. A Jesus who is for us, regardless of the situation. In the midst of all that is going on, in the mess that is life, Jesus is the mystery that we don't completely always understand, and yet his power and his presence is with us consistently. Thomas in Psalm 31, reminded us that sometimes in our troubles, we head for the cave, we lock down, we get desperate, and we close our eyes, and we cry out to God. The nature of God is always to hear us. I love the line that Thomas read, Desperate I throw myself on you, you are my God. Hour by hour I place my days in your hands, safe from the hands out to get me. I don't know about you, but I see in our churches and in the people that we talk to day by day a people who want to throw themselves before God in a way that they haven't for generations, who want to place their days in his hands. And I pray that as this week goes, that we have opportunities to do just that, to give in, to ask and to trust in the power of the risen Jesus. Amen.